Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine. This show is written, produced, and recorded by members of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program in Huchin, occupied Ohlone territory, also known to colonizers as the Bay Area. On tonight's show, we will interview executive producer Regina Mason, along with director and producer Sean Durant. We will hear movie clips from the film Gina's Journey, The Search for William Grimes. And finally, we will check in on your support to KPFA and, of course, the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. All that tonight on Full Circle. We are your hosts. I'm Stevie. I'm Stevie G. Steve Grievous. And? And I'm Theodora. And uh, you want to, excuse me, you will not want to miss any part of this great conversation. Just stay with us. Greetings and welcome. Again, this is Full Circle. Tonight, we at KPFA, the First Voice Apprenticeship Program, are doing our part to help raise funds to keep this iconic station on the air. We are, we are your hosts. Again, I'm Stevie G. And I'm Theodora. All right. And we have in the studio tonight, uh, we have author, producer, international speaker, executive producer, researcher, writer, editor, scholar, and storyteller, Miss Regina Mason along with filmmaker, producer, director, Sean Durant. Our amazing guests also come bearing gifts. Their joint project, the DVD, Gina's Journey, is available to you as one of the fun drive products tonight. There's a lot of Bay Area talent on display in this film, and we will share some great audio from the film and, of course, a bit of storytelling. But before we get to the film, here is the number to call to support KPFA. 1-800-439-5732. Again, that is 1-800-HEY-KPFA. So give us a call and help us reach our goal of $1,000 tonight for our show. And if you'd like to donate online, go to kpfa.org. The DVD is the very topic of tonight's show, Gina's Journey, which provides an account of Miss Regina Mason's travails in finding one of her direct ancestors, Mr. William Grimes, her great-great-great-grandfather, whose writing was the first published slave narrative in the United States. And yes, that's before Frederick Douglass. For a donation of $100, you can receive this gift and know that your continued support is why we are able to bring you special shows like this one airing tonight. And this feature documentary, excuse me, on this feature documentary uh, that tells the, 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 the story and the triumphs of Mr. William Grimes, this can again be yours for $100 donation. Not only will you help to continue the community-based content of KPFA, but you will be enriched by the story of the very first slave narrative published originally in 1825. Mr. William Grimes tells a very harsh and rugged tale of survival that very few of us, if any, know very much about. 
So let's get into this production of this great pro of this great film. And this film clip we'll hear is our setup piece with Mr. Keith David and our in-studio guests. Again, Miss Gina Mason and Mr. Sharon Durant will be getting to them shortly. Let's go to our clip. This is the story of Regina Mason's journey to find out who she is. This is her journey to discover her great-great-great-grandfather, who was a barber at Yale, a property owner, an intense author, and a runaway slave. Gina comes from a mixed heritage. Her mother's and father's family were ambiguous-looking. People in her family passed for white, but the majority of them identified with the nomenclature of the era. They were colored, or Negro. My journey of identity began in 1968. It was not long after Dr. King was assassinated. We were in the Mayfair grocery store in Oakland. My dad had left myself and my brother and my sister in the car while he went in to pick up a pack of cigarettes. I'm black. I'm proud. I'm black. I'm proud. Y'all not black. Y'all white. We ain't white. We're black. Yeah, we're black. No. You're white. No, you're black. What are you we're talking about? We're white. so black. We're black. Look at us. Yeah. Stop lying down. Don't pay any attention to those kids. And I don't know how this conversation began, but what I remember is these black children telling us that you're not black, you're white. Which was an insult in these angry times. Dr. King had been assassinated just a few months before. The song Say It Loud, I'm Black and I'm Proud was on KDIA, the local African-American radio station. Gina was part of a movement that was taking place where people were standing up and saying something about the current political and socially dramatic climate. I'm black. I'm proud. I'm black. You're I'm not black. You're brown. And you ought to be proud. I'm trying to understand, well, how do I fit in with all of this? Although I identified socially as a black person, I'm getting these mixed messages. Gina was in the fifth grade in 1971 at St. Augustine School in Oakland. Her teacher, Sister Helen Walsh, asked her students to prepare an oral report on the true country of origin. For Gina, part of that class assignment was confronting those mixed messages. The only thing she knew about Africa were those exaggerated stereotypes she had seen in movies like Tarzan. In her young mind, Africa was a backward place she just couldn't relate to. The assignment got her curious about her American heritage. Mom, where are we from? Well, that's a bit complicated, Gina. We're from lots of places. Some of your family is from the Bay Area, and some are from Portland, Oregon. And if we go back a little further, there's Grandpa Fuller from Virginia, and I think there was someone else from New England. I believe she was a Shakespearean actress or something. As in William Shakespeare? Yeah, that's right, smart girl. Who was Grandpa Fuller? Grandpa Fuller was my grandfather, and I believe Grandpa Fuller was a slave. This came as a surprise to Gina. 
She had never heard about slavery being in her family. In her young mind, slavery was in the abstract. It was those people from long ago. But here, her mother was talking about her grandfather, who was a slave. His mother was a slave, and his father was a white man. He was the plantation owner. It was kind of uncomfortable for my mother to explain to me, because how do you explain that slavery existed in freedom-loving America? His mom was a favored servant. Gina had questions about her heritage that spoke to that history. She was struggling with this issue of identity. The assignment really got me thinking about what was going on in the world. It was in that moment that Gina really started to grow up. She wasn't just a kid playing with dolls or riding a bike anymore. She was thinking and understanding why there was such a rage in her community. Sensing Gina was having difficulty with the assignment, Gina's mother took her to see Aunt Catherine, the family historian. Mom said Grandpa Fuller was a slave. Yes, that may be true. Were there any more slaves? You know, we did have an ancestor in our family who was either a slave who escaped or someone who helped slaves escape from the South. He lived in New Haven, and I think his name was Grimes. Some way he was involved with the Underground Railroad. The Underground Railroad was a network of secret routes and safe houses used to help slaves escape to free states or Canada by people who were sympathetic to their cause. He helped freed the slaves? That's how the story goes, Gina. She wanted more information. Who was this man? But Aunt Catherine had given Gina everything she knew. So for 20 years, Gina held on to that little thread of information. There's sort of been a revolution in the study of African-American history because we're learning the importance of public history and that the artifacts and the memories and the pictures that people have in their homes are really how the story is told. So if you want to learn African-American history, you got to work with the families, the families that know about the graveyards, the families that have heard the oral histories. It's an important thing for all African-Americans to do their own family history. What it does is it meets one of the basic psychological needs, which is belonging. Welcome back to Full Circle. I want to take a moment to remind you that you're listening to Full Circle on 94.1 FM, KPFA. Tonight... We're doing our part here at the KPFA First Voice Apprenticeship Program to help raise funds to keep this iconic station on the air. We're your host, Theodora and Stevie G. If you're enjoying what you're hearing so far tonight, please take a moment to give us a call at 1-800-439-5732. That's 1-800-HEY-KPFA or go online at kpfa.org to show your support for this kind of broadcasting. And as an added bonus, you'll get this amazing movie 
documentary, Gina's Journey. Regina Mason's re- memoir that describes how she was inspired to search for her great-great-great-grandfather, William Grimes. We're here tonight with filmmaker, producer, director, Sean Durant, and writer, editor, storyteller, Regina Mason. As we mentioned before the clip, the film narrator may sound familiar. He should. He is Keith David, best known for his role as Pastor Greenleaf on the OWN Network's hit series, Greenleaf. His superlative narration narration helps bring this story of perseverance, struggle, family, and faith alive for us. All right, well, well, let's get into welcoming our guests. So, hello, Regina Mason and... Hello, Mr. Sharon, excuse me, Sean Durant. Hello. How you doing? Thanks for having us. (laughs) All right. How you doing today? Doing well. So happy to be here. Yes. Excellent. 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 Well, let's get right into it. Let's get right into it. First, you know, tell us how did you manage to capture so much energy in one film? There were a lot of things going on, a personal story, then there's the, 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 the historical lens, mm-hmm. and just putting the whole story together, uh, it was amazing. So, Well, it, it really starts, and I think Gina can speak to this, but it started with The Seed, uh, which is the original story, which is her original journey. And, uh, and I just uh, worked with her to bring that vision to life and put it on screen. But without the seed without the history without her research um and uh, without her journey you wouldn't have a film so i think we should start out with her explaining that part of it and then that's what led um up to us uh, making the film so excellent point excellent point and that would be gina's journey the dvd the film gina's journey so please gina tell us about it You know, there's so much to say about this one film. Um, I call it art and testimony because Sean does Mm. a fantastic job of capturing two stories in one. And with him doing that, he bridges almost uh, 200 years of history. And then he links the past and the present in such a powerful way and that's what we don't see day to day in our lives the history that surrounds us that that is there present with us always but Sean has a way of capturing these elements in this one film and it is his art that did all of this now as for the story that started years ago and I, I like to think it was preordained that it was destined to come to me the way that it came to me through stories that um, I had heard in childhood from my Aunt Catherine and you know she gave me three little clues that I that stayed with me uh, she talked about a man by the name of Grimes she didn't have a first name mm-hmm. just a last name and the fact that this person was from New Haven, Connecticut, and had an association of some kind with the Underground Railroad. That was all I had. But I latched on on to it as a fifth grader because when she said the Underground Railroad, Mm -hmm. I was just learning about American history, American slavery, Mm -hmm. and I knew that the abolitionist movement, or excuse me, the Underground Railroad, Mm -hmm. was a form of resistance, and I needed to hear that resistance story. 
And when she gave that little thread of a story, it stayed with me. I remember begging her for more information Mm -hmm. because the assignment that uh, I was given that was to chronicle this history or or for me to step up and tell my class about my history, um, it caused me to look front and center at slavery in a way that I had never even contemplated when it showed up in my family tree. Mm -hmm. And that's when it became personal. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. when I realized what an unfair world This is the perspective of a kid that we were living in. So when my aunt told me about the Underground Railroad connection, Mm -hmm. that just empowered me in a way that I needed to hear it. Hmm. So I can go on and on. No, no, no. no, Thank you. No, thank you for that. Thank you for that testimony. It is. It really is. Um, You know, let's talk about a little bit uh, just how you two were able to connect. I want to make sure that we understand a little bit about that maybe a couple of minutes and we'll start with you gina if we can so okay well i will say this i'm gonna let sean give the backstory the Mm -hmm. the, the, you know the the connecting part of how our families come together but i had a book signing at um university press books on um bancroft way right across from the uc berkeley campus and I invited Sean, and he was there in the audience. Oh, the place was just packed with people. It was like standing room only. Mm-hmm. It was amazing, and there were scholars there as well in the in the audience. And after it was all said and done, Bill Andrews, my co-editor for Life of William Grimes, the yes. Runaway Slave, he came all the way okay. from North, Uni- North Carolina, mm-hmm. Chapel Hill, and uh, he. He told me, Sean said, you know, you got to put visuals to this. Yeah. Mm. And I said, well, yeah, right, but how are we going to do it? So, All right. Sean. Yeah. And uh, at the time, um, I had already ventured into uh, the, the movie world. Mm-hmm. I was also um, a producer, and I worked with music videos, so I'd already had, you know, music videos on MTV. Mm-hmm. i already done commercials. Um, and early on in my career, I had already um, produced uh, a very small independent urban um, movie. And so I kind of had my feet wet in the production world, but you know, taking on the task of just making a film from scratch out of nothing with no resources, I didn't really know how we were going to do it. Uh, I probably mm. should have thought before I opened my mouth. <laughs> and Maybe I did. not. Well, that's where passion and, comes in. Yeah. And yes. Before you know it, you put it out there in the universe, and, and the universe just takes over. Yes. And it conspires to put the resources together yes. to mm. help you achieve your dreams. So at the time, um, I knew enough about production, and I knew that I could make a film uh, to be able to do it. So um, that's kind of where it, where it started. And from there, we just kind of built on um, where we wanted to go. And, um, you know, we started putting together development of the film over the next few years. And uh, the story's long, so we have enough of that to make another film. But um, that's where it all started from that point. Mm. Wow. You know, as I was watching this film, I was so impressed with how you were able to creatively just kind of weave in and interweave William Grimes' story from... Hundreds of years ago, mm-hmm. with Regina Mason's story, right. and include reenactments of both worlds, and it didn't feel choppy. 
Right. It just felt really connected. How did you manage that? Well, the the reason why the movie I was able to do that because docudrama is its own format. It's different from standard documentaries. I mean, it's different from narrative films. You know, I really wanted to create. I'm a big fan of documentaries and a big fan of television docudramas, which have become big in the last few years. So I'd spent the last, you know, five years watching the History Channel and watching all ah, of these networks okay. that they really began to develop the reenactment and the docudrama, um, you know, genre. And so I really was into that because I wanted to make a feature doc and I wanted to make a narrative film. But I couldn't do both, so I said, well, how can I put them in one film? And so I decided to take all the tools that I'd learned and what I'd seen on TV and take the best of everything, which is what a lot of filmmakers do, and try to do all of that and weave it into one production. And it really lent itself to this particular story because I have basically 45 minutes to tell Gina's story and 45 minutes to tell William Grimes' story. And okay. you've got to get the biggest parts of that, and then you've got to reenact them as well as have scholars speak on them and the docudrama format kind of fit that and so i used that formula to to put the movie together was this your first first feature film uh it's my first feature directorial film so wow. it was my directorial debut and i wanted it to be the best that it can be i wanted it to look like a studio film i wanted it to to you know have all the resources that um a studio film had so i took the film from script to screen and we pretty much did everything using all of the skills I'd learned, making commercials and making music videos and, and calling in favors and friends in the production world and shooting in L.A. and in the Bay Area and, you know, throughout the nation. So I brought all that to bear to, to be able to create this film, which took seven years, four years of production. But um, ultimately, people only feel what you put into a product. Mm -hmm. So the passion that all of us put into this I think it's been responded to in uh, people watching the film. Well, for sure. Yeah. Brother, I want to say, check. You, you did <laughs> it. Yeah, you pulled it off. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it was it was done expertly. It, yeah. I can't even begin to comment. Um, you heard it here from the producers. And in order for you to understand this experience the way we've experienced it, when we saw the film, all you need to do is call... That number, 1-800-439-5732. That's 1-800-HEY-KPFA. Or go online at kpfa.org. Give us a call or a click. We're eager and starving, as we hope you are in this context, to listen and breathe in the community cultural swag of films like Gina's Journey and what KPFA's First Voice Media and First Voice Apprenticeship Program are able to bring you every Friday night at 7 p.m. Let's hear more from the creators and inspiration for Gina's Journey. Yeah, and you know what we'll do? We're actually going to uh, take a little music break right now, and then we'll come out of that, and then we'll get into the next set with the with our with our guests. That here. sounds good. All right, let's go to the music. Oh, freedom. Oh. Oh, freedom. freedom. 
And go home to my Lord and be free. They would be singing. They would be singing. They would be singing. And go home to my Lord and be free. No more worry. No more worry. Mm. It just hits a spot in the soul. All right. Well, welcome back. Again, this is uh, KPFA 94.1 FM. We're on the Full Circle Show. Uh, we are here in the studio with uh, Regina Mason and Sean Durant. We're talking about Gina's journey, uh, the movie, the film. and uh, But I want to make sure that we speak about uh, what we just heard. We just heard the song, Oh, Freedom. And uh, I was going to say something about the back announce, but Sean, I think you have some information we need to know about. Again, tell us about this local Bay Area talent. What's going on? Yeah, so we um, we actually uh, uh, we actually did the film, and uh, I wanted to make sure that there was some authentic music to go with the film. So uh, when you're doing independent films, you want to find the right songs and right songs that you can use, obviously. Mm. So we're able to use uh, Negro Spirituals. So um, I, we thought this was an appropriate one, but I wanted to make it even special. So I contacted um, a Bay Area uh, blues singer. Uh, and she's a legend around here named Lady Bianca. Yes. And she was gracious enough to come out. And, um, and she thought it was an awesome idea. And we got in the studio and, uh, you know, worked with the engineer and worked with one of my other friends. And we, we laid down this track and it just seemed a fitting way. Um, to to bring the the movie full circle and get to the soul and the passion of what we'd all done, what Regina had done, and what her ancestor had done, and so it, it worked out just beautifully, you know. And it and it really really lifts the lifts the movie up even mm. further. Excellent, yes. excellent, excellent. And did you say something about the background singers as well? Uh, it was just actually it was a friend of mine. His yeah. actual name was Mike Jones. Okay, and uh, he's a good friend of mine, and he was a co-producer on the film. And he's one of those type of friends that's always rolling with you, doing everything. Mm-hmm. He's he's the road dog. He's the he's always there for your right hand man. And he did like eight, ten jobs on this film. That's <laughs> a real friend. There you go. So yeah. we were in the studio, and 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 we needed an extra person to do background vocals. So he was there, and Lady Bianca took him into the booth and. And helped him lay down wow. the the background vocals, and it all came together. So we added another job onto his fifteen <laughs> list <laughs> resume on the film. Um, but he's a real good friend, I've known him for a long time, and uh, he was the one that 
I, ironically, he was the person that got me into filmmaking. Mm. You know, he started as an animator, and he was the one that went to film school, and right. he came out here, and I started working with him on animation. But he okay. ended up getting me into filmmaking, yeah. and then I just he created a monster, and I great. went from there. All right. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. That's great. That's fantastic. Well, again, taking again this lens through the Bay Area and, and showing the ties that we have here, uh, I noticed uh, in the film uh, the elderly uh, William Grimes Absolutely. played by Michael Lange. Yes, yes Michael Lange, and, um, another Bay Area, another legend. Bay Area legend. Yes, I know. Um, I know some people know Ted Lange a little bit. Of from of course, uh, Ted Lange was. Uh, you know Isaac on the love boat, mm-hmm. you know, the love character, and from yeah. From all I'm gonna our date myself. I'm gonna date myself. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm gonna say, say. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna say that's my mom. That's you know, my mama. that's my mama. <laughs> oh, okay, and, okay. and Junior. Yes, yes. yes right. So you guys go back. You know, yes. I, I just know him from the love boat, but you know, no, I, I, I got it. it. Mm-hmm. I got it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm going to report. <laughs> I had to say it. Oh yeah, uh, I remember that. And I only know it from reruns. I'm just saying. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, but Michael Lange, you know, Ted Lange's brother was a Bay Area legend in his own mm-hmm. right and did many, many films mm-hmm. and documentaries and stage plays. plays. Yes. I saw him in wonderful stage play. And so, yeah, we, we were blessed to have him and, and his final performance in the film yes. um, before he actually passed away. So... Um, we this film it just it just had all the right ingredients come at the right time and and we we definitely honor his memory with the film. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely, yes. Well, Michael Lange, rest in rest in peace. Yeah. For so sure. much Bay yes. Area talent. Yeah, in this so film. much talent, mm-hmm. and he had done so much as you had mentioned, and um, mm, something. And Regina, you know, I, again, I was just touched overall by the passion you showed, the research, just how far you went because we're talking about. The library. I know oh. some young folk <laughs> with Google and the web today, mm-hmm. but we're talking about the Dewey Decimal System and microfiche. <laughs> that was a lot of work. Card catalogs. Yeah, card yeah. catalogs and just putting all that in. And then for a number of black families, you know, the, some of that first reference material could be that family Bible. That's type of absolutely thing. correct. Mm-hmm. So, uh, my gosh, how was that experience? Just to get that by those pages. Mm-hmm. To see and touch history in oh. front of my eyes, I was speechless. Uh, I had been searching high and low to make a connection to from myself to William Grimes. And I had been doing what the, the genealogies tell you not to do, and that's going back too far too fast. So when my Aunt Catherine said to me, you know, you know, we, we do have a family Bible. When she said that, I, I, it almost knocked me over. And a year and a half later, she brought that Bible home when I still couldn't make that connection. But there it was in front of my eyes on paper, so fragile, wow. so blotted and stained and crumbly. Mm. It was amazing to touch those pages and then to scroll down and see the name William Grimes mm. with a recorded death date of mm. August 21st, 1865. Wow. It blew me away. All I could do was just weep. Just mm. weep. I understand. I mm. completely mm. understand. Just, I'm almost weeping just <laughs> listening to you. Um, let's go into our next clip, which will include some pundits, some experts. Mm. 
Hello? Gina. Cousin Marguerite? Yeah, remember Grandpa Fuller, the one Catherine told us about? Uh-huh, yeah. Well, we were searching for him up here in Portland, and we found him. We found his grave. Can you believe it? What? You found Grandpa Fuller's grave? That's amazing! God, did you take pictures? Yeah, we'll bring him to the next get-together. Thank you, Marguerite. Little did Gina know then that one surprising phone call would change her life forever. After the call from Marguerite, Gina was inspired to research her family tree. She called her sister Cheryl, and they searched the 1900 census in San Mateo, California, looking for Grandpa Fuller. There they were with this microfilm, searching through name after name, feeling like they were getting nowhere. And then, Gina found his name. Henry Fuller. He's here. Grandpa Fuller's here in San Mateo. Look. All the family members were listed. Grandpa Fuller was born in Virginia, just like Aunt Catherine said. He was a property owner and a coachman. Wow. After that monumental find of the 1900 census, it quickly became an obsession for Gina. Gina began reading every book she could find on the Underground Railroad and the abolitionist movement. She was always in somebody's library, searching for any record of this man named Grimes, a man who defied slavery. She knew Grimes was out there, and she was determined to find him. This process of genealogy was now in her blood, in her bones, Something deep down kept her focused. What's significant about what she's doing isn't the research, and it isn't the family. It's bigger than that. If you study writings of a person who was enslaved in the 19th century and wants to make a testament, that story doesn't end when that person dies. It, it's with us today. And so what Regina's doing is she's connecting not mere genealogical research, she's connecting why stories are with us today in the bigger American context. Gina was collecting all these books and noticed the title she hadn't read. Charles L. Bloxon's book, The Underground Railroad, First Person Narratives. Crimes! Crimes! Bloxon wrote about a man by the name of William Grimes from Savannah, Georgia. Well, this adrenaline washed over me. Where did Bloxon get his information? Well, it turns out the bibliography revealed that this William Grimes had written his life story and published it himself in 1855. Gina now had a new search. She had to find that book. She called Marguerite and told her she found Grimes. The two of them called around and eventually found out that an anthology book was at Cody's Books in Berkeley. The book was entitled Five Black Lives and included was the Grimes narrative. Uh, I'm Regina Mason. Hi. I called earlier. You had a book on hold for me, Five Black Lives. Yes, I just pulled those. Uh, I have those right here for you. How many copies do you have? I believe three. I'll take all three. Gina didn't know if this gentleman was related to her, 
But something told her that she was connected to Grimes. Those who are acquainted with the subscriber, he presumes, will readily purchase his history. Those who are not, but wish to know who Grimes is and what is his history, he would inform them, generally, that he is now living in Litchfield, Connecticut, that he was then about 40 years of age, was born in a place in Virginia, has lived in several different states and been owned by 10 different masters, that about 10 years since, he ran away. That was one of the best and worst days of Gina's life. She was so excited and joyful to find Grimes's work, but when she read through it, she discovered the pain and sorrow he went through. By this time, she was completely sucked into the Grimes narrative. She was looking for any clue that would connect her to William Grimes, the author. It wasn't until I came to the end of the Grimes narrative that he even mentioned who his wife was. He said that she was Clarissa Caesar. That was my only clue. Aunt Catherine? Gina? What's the matter, dear? Are you okay? I'm all right. I'm so sorry for calling you so late. It's completely fine, dear. You know I love to talk to you anytime of the day. Is Caesar a family name? I just finished reading William Grimes' autobiography, and he said his wife's name was Clarissa Caesar. Does that sound familiar to you? I'm not sure. You have to see the family Bible. Bible? Yes. It has all the family names going back to the 1800s. What? Why didn't you tell me about this before? What people have done with family Bibles is that they've used them as a record of births, deaths and other events so it's also a metaphor for the spiritual dimension of the african-american experience because it's been the relationship of african-americans with god that has really been the narrative of african-american history i think it may be with my sister in portland i'm going up there when the weather gets better if it's there i can bring it back for you <sighs> Alright, Auntie. I'll be waiting. If there was a family Bible, maybe by now it's long gone. So I decided to see if I can find William Grimes, the author. What's interesting about the Grimes story is the extent of it is overwhelming once you get into it. And to have done it during the 90s when you didn't have the internet, when you couldn't just do an Ancestry.com so search here? and you had to actually listen to sound decks and go through the census records. And so it was extremely labor intensive. Welcome back to Full Circle. Tonight, we at the KPFA First Voice Apprenticeship Program, we're doing our part to help raise funds to help keep this iconic station on the air. We're your host, Theodora and Stevie G. This incredible film, Gina's Journey, can be yours by clicking on the Donate tab of kpfa.org or calling our toll-free number, 1-800-439-5732. That's 1-800-HEY-KPFA. Give us a call right now and get a copy of this amazing film based on Regina 
Mason's great, great, great grandfather, Mr. William Grimes, directed by Mr. Sean Durant. The valuable gift package includes the DVD, and it could be yours for a donation of $100 if you make that choice, the right choice. The only choice tonight for this hour. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yes. You know, Regina, um, one of the things that really impressed me about this film was the example of black love, which we rarely see in popular television. Um, I, the love and the support that you got from your family, mm-hmm. it was clear. It was very clear. And I know that part of that was you and your lived experience, but it was also the director right. who made a decision mm-hmm. to highlight that. Can both of you maybe sure. talk a little bit about that? I will say this. My husband has always been so supportive of me. We didn't know where this was going at all. And let's make no mistake about it. We had our fair share of ups and downs. I'm sure. And the downs were serious. Mm. But, you know, we made a a commitment to each other. Uh, He supported me. We didn't know where it was going. And sometimes it got in the way. But we never, it was never insurmountable. We always pulled together, and we will be married 37 years, December 10th. Yeah. Wow, congratulations. Happy early anniversary. That's four days. Happy anniversary. Well, thank you so much. That's wonderful. That's right. That's fantastic. Shout out to Brandon Mason. Yeah, absolutely. That's incredible. And to try and put that in a film was important. Because that was one of the things that struck me about the story. Because a lot of people said, how would a a marriage survive something like that? Mm -hmm. And when she first started doing it, and we were getting into the story and looking at it, I worked with a writer um, who was a film writer. And we wanted to pick out the right moments. And what struck us is that Gina had sort of an obsession with doing the research. So it was, at the time, bringing home tons of books and and, and late fees and always Mm -hmm. at the libraries and, and, you know, maybe Mm. dinner wasn't quite ready on time. And she was getting into this thing so deeply that you would think that um, she might be neglecting her family, but the family... They really supported her. They really understood. Her daughters basically grew up with the research of crimes. And even to this day, the book went from a book to a movie. They still kind of see it. But through all of it, um, you know, Brandon was very supportive. Her family was very supportive. They were Mm -hmm. always trying to help. And it just seemed like a whole village was lifting this up. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to capture that in the film. And in parallel with Grimes' story where he was having come from the south and escaping 10 slave masters, getting to the north and then running in the north from people trying to catch him and starting new lives. And they're they're both struggling. So you're showing his struggle in life and Mm -hmm. then his strength later on in Gina as she struggled in life to be recognized as a, a researcher to do this and raise a family. 
and be a you know a good wife and, and and a good mom and so that's where we keyed into the right moments and we just kept keying on those moments of struggle for both of them and just paralleling and it made for uh, an amazing film you know real life and nonfiction is is is, is better than fiction it these sure days is. if you notice a lot of the <laughs> yeah. films yeah. Sure are on nonfiction now that's right. right when i was younger it was all fiction mm -hmm. right yeah, um, exactly because right. You know, in real life, you have those moments, and, and everything is just so rich, and it's so authentic. And uh, I wanted to make sure I stayed true to that in the story, and I think we did. You sure yeah, did. Definitely. You sure did. You know, Regina, you may not have had a Ph.D., <laughs> but you are definitely a scholar and an educator. Yes. Oh, thank you so much. But you know who the real scholar is, an educator? William Grimes. Yes. Mm. William Grimes. Yes. This man did phenomenal things when he wasn't supposed to. I mean, I had restraints on me, but nothing compared to right. his life. The fact that he picked up the bare bones of reading That's and writing right. and That's had right. the audacity to say, I'm going to write my story. I'm going to tell my story. And then on the cover of his book, it says, written by himself. Mm. And in 1825, that was a black man making a very bold and yes, powerful yes, statement. Yes, indeed. Yes. Almost revolutionary. It was re and he revolutionary. Was, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. He yeah. was the first fugitive slave to write on his the title of his book written by himself That's right. mm. the first one to do it the mm. first one to bring his book to the state of uh connecticut to have it uh registered for posterity and mm -hmm. they did it and they did it they did it they did it under the 1790 Copyright Act when he wasn't even considered a citizen, but he was bold enough to declare what he felt was his. And I followed that example. So this journey of perseverance for me mm -hmm. was held up by him and all the other ancestors that were, were there for me. I had them at my back every night sometimes mm -hmm. in the middle of the night I'd wake up mm -hmm. and have to go to the computer and write because so much information was coming to me mm. and mm. uh so how powerful and I'm I don't mean to cut you I'm just no. trying to think uh as Sean was talking it just popped in my head your daughter's had a chance to get a hold of some history that absolutely mm -hmm. i mean i i think until alex haley i think i was in the fifth grade when the movie came out mm -hmm. so it wasn't until the fifth grade i saw something you know that that spoke to something of what right what you had but your daughters had that right there in the house and right there with you along that so how empowering was that like to, as you watched your your children yes. sort of transform as they were able to reclaim Absolutely. Pieces of themselves. Oh, it was... So early in life. Right. Let me tell you, my youngest child, Michelle, was three years old when I started mm -hmm. doing this. I would take her to the archives and the libraries with me when I could not find a babysitter. Okay? She knew early on how to be quiet in a library. She had her, her paper, her uh, coloring book or whatever, pencils, and one day as I'm reading, they we're in this the archive, we're at Sutro Library in San Francisco, and she takes a piece of paper and she scribbles on it, and she said, here, Mommy, this is for Papa Grimes. 
Wow. That w- just blew me away. Mm. It blew me away because she was connecting right. the value of what I was doing, even when she couldn't understand it. Right. So that's how powerful the oral stories are. Mm-hmm. And whatever we do, they're emulating, they're seeing. So we have to constantly have that those, that information in front of our children. We All have to time. constantly talk about our stories so that they breathe it in, so that they know it, so that they feel it and understand their rich heritage. This film, his narrative should be mandatory for every child mm. in every school in this country. Wow. How are we going to get that to happen? I'm trying hey. to make it happen. <laughs> okay? <laughs> From your lips to God's ears. Yes. Yeah. Let me tell you this. I am trying for this book to be required reading for all um, first-year students at Yale University. William right. Grimes okay. was a servant at Yale College. He yes, was he in was. this learned yes. environment. He picked up and sensed what was going on on these campuses that he worked. And he turned around and he wasn't a student, but he did the same thing. Right. He did mm. the same thing. Mm-hmm. And this this is a story, I think, out of that grand university that should definitely embrace his narrative and I'm working on that. And from there, I'm going to trickle down to all the other universities as well because... Information is power. You know, there's, and I'll I'll be real brief about this. Universities need to recognize, especially these old universities, that the the servants that help elevate their uh, institutions, the slave labor, and so on and so forth. And to go back and recognize these voices that were never given their due and to put them as part of the campus community would be empowering for everyone that's there. Hmm. We would no longer be anonymous. Right. No longer be anonymous. And that is something that I am striving for. Yes. Nice. Very nice. And I want to get it back to kindergarten. I want it to start there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Start them early. I want to start it very early. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And work its way, trickle down, I mm-hmm. guess. Is that right. what you call yes. it? Right, mm-hmm. yes. Um, we've got one last clip um, of the voice of William Grimes. Mm-hmm. And then we'll be back. Gina had no idea that her life would take the turn that it did. She never thought that she would be a published author and that Grimes would get a second look by a new audience. For him, just to have the notion that he would write his life story was something that was a dream out of his reach. By getting ahead of the curve, by expressing himself and by talking about slavery before any movement of of whites was really active and trying to invite people like Grimes actually to publish these kinds of accounts. By getting ahead of all of that, Grimes said, I have a story to tell. I wrote it by myself and I don't need anybody else to tell me how to write it or what to say. If he had waited, um, the story may have still appeared, 
The facts of his experience may still have appeared, but the voice of William Grimes, would that have come through the way it comes through in 1825? No. I hope some will buy my books from charity, but I am no beggar. I am now entirely destitute of property. Where and how I shall live, I don't know. Where and how I shall die, I don't know. But I hope I may be prepared. If it weren't for the stripes on my back, which were made while I was a slave, I would, in my will, leave my skin as a legacy to the government, desiring that it might be taken off and made into parchment, then bind the constitution of glorious, happy, free America. Let the skin of an American slave bind the charter of American liberty. All right, so mm. welcome back. This is KPFA 94.1 FM. This is the Full Circle Show. And we were just listening to the uh, elder, William Grimes. Uh, we have in the studio today Regina Mason, uh, one of the descendants of William Grimes, uh, executive producer, scholar, researcher. And we also have in the studio uh, producer and director Sean Durant. Uh, and their pro their project, the film, Gina's Journey, uh, we actually have uh, available through our, um, that we're offering as a donation today for $100. So uh, in speaking about this again and just, just hearing the reenactment that was just done of his words, again, it, 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 re it literally travels through the centuries. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, and again, so powerful and so impactful. I know uh, before the break or before we got into this clip, we were talking about maybe where it can begin kindergarten or earlier uh, mm -hmm. in terms of being exposed to this information. And along those lines, how can we get exposed to you all right now? Gina, I'll turn it to you first, okay. and then we'll go to Sean. Okay. How do, what is it that you need from us or from the community? How can we help support what you're doing? Yes. I need to hear from educators, uh, Oakland Unified School District, Berkeley Unified School District, all the districts to get this film in the schools. I lecture all the time. I'm in classrooms. A lot of times it's money that keeps us from getting in the classroom and so forth. So we have to find a way uh, for us to get sponsorship. Okay. If there are any institutions out there or people that want to uh, have this film or my voice or Sean's um, education in terms of films, if you want us in your schools, contact us at www.genusjourney.com. Mm -hmm. Okay. And... We're in churches. We're all over. I just came back from uh, Savannah, Georgia. I was mm -hmm. at Savannah State University, historically black college. I was at the Davenport House Museum. I uh, spoke to students there. I, I spoke t uh, all over right. um, in, in Georgia. 
Uh, I've been. We have taken this film across country to major universities. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, but we definitely want it in classrooms, and that has been a challenge. So, if you're an educator out there, please contact us. Let's see what we can build together. All right, let's yes. find a way. Let's yeah, find a pathway. Right, yeah, yeah, there's a way. I know yeah. there's I'm gonna a way. I'm going to reach out to some of those board members from OUSD. Yes. I remember still a few of them. Okay. So let's, let's, okay. let's do some things Absolutely. along those lines. Yeah. And then let's turn it over to Sean. What, what, what can we do to... I think one of the biggest impacts the film have is, is during live screenings uh, for people to be able to come in and see the film or bring you know young adults or children to see the film. So uh, we really see, we see it doing really well with screenings. So if you have an organization who would like to uh, participate in the screening with us, partner with us. Um, you have access to a, th- a theater at your location or you partner with someone. We, we've done very well in doing uh, screenings. And what we do is we screen the film, and that's about 85 minutes. And then we do a Q&A after with me and Gina. Um, okay. And it kind of creates a program so people can use them for fundraisers. They can use them for education. Mm. They can. Uh, one of our big times is Black History Month, which is coming up. Right. Yes. And we, we show the film often in cities and in different places for Black History Month celebrations. Um, so if you have that or Women's Month after that, uh, we think this film is really good to build a program around of education and start a good dialogue in the community and, uh, and, and that people can get their hands on the book and, you know, other things and other education at those uh, events. So uh, going to genusjourney.com and reaching out to us, uh, we would love to love to engage with the community. All right. Well, I think it's time to say thank you. Yes. And thank I you thank for this you experience. Both. experience. Welcome. Oh, wow. this experience. Thank you for having a us. Journey. Yes, wow. a journey. Yes. This has been a journey. Well said. Special oh, yes. thanks to CVG for reaching out to me. We <laughs> yes. appreciate Absolutely. that. Thank for having us thank on you. here. Um, yes. We really do appreciate local radio and KPFA for supporting us and the community. And, and none of this would be possible without you guys. So we really appreciate it. Absolutely. And I just say ditto to that. We are honored to be here. Definitely honored to be here. Thank you. Yeah, we appreciate you and your generosity and your time. Um, for a donation of just $10 a month, you can get this incredible DVD, Gina's Journey. That's 1-800-439-5732. Again, that's K- 1-800-HEY-KPFA. Or go online, kpfa.org. Again, that number is... We have come to the end of the show. Yes, yeah, sadly, it? sadly. I don't Coming believe to the end it. of this show, I don't want it to end. No, I don't either. No. This is incredible. Yeah. Well, thank you again. Really appreciate it and all we've been able to do and uh, have happened tonight. We want to thank our executive producer, Miss M., our technical director, uh, Franklin Frank Sterling. Joy Moore is our production consultant. A special thanks to producer tonight's show, Teresa Adams. And we've been your host this evening. That would be... Theodora. And Stevie G. And we want to definitely thank in the booth, Hannah on the board. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey. And Miss Kay, that tech assistant par excellence. Yes. All right. So up next, we have uh, La Onda Baita. 